0: (laughs) Welcome to Reputation Town.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Reputation Town. It's Warren Weeks, and I'm joined, as always, by John Peranak. Sorry to those of you who, uh, like, our three listeners that we haven't had uh, an episode in a bit, but we've had summer vacation and scheduling issues. John's been super busy with work, but here we are, ready to take apart some people in the reputation space. John, how are things in your life?
2: Terrific. How was your your vacation?
1: It was great. Um, I don't typically for the first like 15 years or so that I started my business, I took one week a year, which people told me that that's not enough. (laughs) And as I start getting older, I've tried to tack on a couple extra weeks. So it's been nice. The weather's been good. Got to uh, get away. I read Molly's book uh, at a cottage and it was actually uh, quite good. I recommend it to folks. We, um, I want to say thank you also to the people who gave us reviews. We had three, we had a little contest. I think last time we, we had a podcast and we asked people to uh, review the podcast and then uh, we'd send you one of the books that uh, Molly's indestructible. And so um, those books are now in the mail and we had uh, three reviews, two fives and a four. So, you know, we're not, we're not batting a thousand. That's but pretty good. It's, it's, it's not bad. It could be worse. And I actually, I, I DM the person who gave us a four and, uh, she's very, you know, good friend, um, uh, avid listener, I guess. And, uh, I said, you know, thanks a lot for the review. What could, you know, how could we make it better? How could we get, you know, how could we get a five from you? And she said, uh, too much hockey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. That's fair point. That's fair point
1: and especially I think it's because your predictions were so wrong maybe that's what it's god awful anyway
2: well so you were just you were just after a while you were just doing that on purpose to just fun it was fun lay the to beating you down
1: exactly make a prediction and then see the opposite thing happen <laughs> it's like uh people should be betting the opposite of what you put but we want to say thank you to those folks and uh the books are in the mail and they're I, I believe gonna really enjoy it it's, it's like crisis uh responds with a um, the whole social media element. And that's going to be a big part of uh, a lot of the issues we're talking about today. How about yourself? You went away too. How was that?
2: Uh, it was great. The, um, had a, a good vacation away with which, you know, like most times work intrudes and then um, had a super exciting time last week because it was been a project that I've uh, been working on for three years now. One of our clients, Therma, was uh, selected as the, one of the proponents to redevelop Ontario Place. And we were able to announce that Friday with um, the city of Toronto and the province of Ontario. And now we just go ahead and build the build the thing. <laughs> I was looking
1: at the, the, the coverage of that and, uh, the, the photos, like the, the design photos of that place look amazing. Like it looks like it's going to be a really cool place to, to hang out. And I was looking at the responses cause you know, you scroll down the first couple screens of responses just to get a feel of how are people, um, you know, are they jumping on, are they trolling? But it, overall I'd say like 85, 90% pretty positive, which is in this business.
2: Amazing. Yeah. I thought so too. I thought it was quite interesting people's response, but you know what? It's a great place. Visited one firsthand uh, myself and was immediately, my first thought was after stepping in the place for less than five minutes, seeing sort of the families enjoying themselves, I thought, where, where has this place been? If like we had it when my kids were little, it would have been something we'd have gone to all the time. For, just, for
1: those who aren't familiar, do you want to describe kind of what this is? And like, yeah, sure. And what it's, it's, uh, it's the
2: company company's called uh, Therma Group and they create these um it's like a it's like a glass um, natural space thousands of trees inside um, you know warm air warm water beautiful restaurants something for everyone's tastes if you want to go splash with the kids and go down water slides you can do that if you want to go for you know more relaxing experience you can do that if you want to go for a date night uh, overlooking the city you can do that like it's re- it's really got something for everyone and it's accessible when I was there, it's the kind of place you saw dads going with their kids after school for a swim. And um, I remember the first, the first thing I saw when I walked in was a mom sleeping under a palm tree with a, her baby. And I thought, you just don't see that at places, like Great Wolf Lodge and, <laughs> and other places like that. It's more like, you know. <laughs> they have rooms that smell like wet towels. Exactly. And that is not the experience at Therma. Uh, it's really an incredible place. So I think people are going to love it when it comes. And just been really privileged to be able to work with such a great company up to this point.
1: Great. And I guess we should have them as a sponsor by now with that glowing <laughs> recommendation, but uh, it'll take a, f- a few years to build. How, yeah. how big is this thing? Like if you were going to, everyone says in football fields, like how big is this thing?
2: You know, I don't know the number specifically because, um, but it's big. I think that's something still worked out, but it's pretty, pretty big space. Like it's going to take up, uh, uh 60% of the West Island of Ontario place. The other 40% will be freely accessible public beach and, parkland and trails and something people can go to all year round and use whenever they like. Um, and if they want to go inside, they can, they can go inside the therm,a. Can't wait till it's uh, up and running. So we had to, Oh, any off topic stuff? Other, that's, other than that's, that's, that? the, that's my contribution. That was yours. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted, we were, we send emails back and forth. So we have like some level of preparation, what we're going to chat about. And, uh, yeah you had mentioned one of the ones you wanted to talk about was Jeff Bezos and we were apologize some of the stuff we're going to talk about is a couple of weeks out but again we've been kind of uh, we haven't been here here recording these and so there are some really good ones that we wanted to make sure we hit on so before they're too stale um, everyone remembers the the space the billionaire space race and there's a lot of uh, chatter about that you know Richard Branson, Jeff Bezos. Um what was your reaction to specifically it was the the press conference after with him with the uh the cowboy hat it looked like uh, Woody from Toy Story.
2: Yeah. Well, it, well I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this as well, but the people's reaction was I think generally negative overall and and I think there's two parts to this. There's like what is the inside baseball the space community? What was their reaction and what was the reaction of the broader the broader public? I think the reaction to the broader public was pretty negative because I think they allowed the thing to be, you know, it it was a bit of like a public relations exercise, this whole flight. And I think, I think they lost the narrative and I think they, it became, you know, framed as rich billionaire taking joyride to space. And, and, and then that was kind of just reinforced by that kind of cavalier, you know, uh, Yipikaye <laughs> news conference they had when they got back, um, and uh, which is a shame because like one of the things I thought was really interesting is is that uh, one of the people he took with him was a woman who, um, actually trained, went through the same training as the Apollo astronauts back in the '60s, but never got to fly into space because women weren't allowed into the program. And so that was a great story. And there was some coverage of that done, but it was overall, I think it was um, they, they just lost the narrative and it became this sort of like, you know, um, criticism of, of Amazon and its business practices and Jeff Bezos and uh, as, a, as a rich guy, you know, they, there's various reasons why I think that happened, but I don't know. What, what was your reaction to it? And how, how did you see people's uh, perceptions of it?
1: So most of what I see is on Twitter. That's become my my uh, social media platform of, of choice these days. When you know, I wake up at three thirty, doom scroll a bit, you go back to sleep. Um, I think the quality of it overall has improved over the last, uh, especially the last couple of years. Whether whether whatever they've done to the algorithm, but there is that silent not not they're not silent. They're very loud, but there there are a minority of people who are really loud on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, and it's the ones who you know uh, can't believe these dickheads are flying into space and they should be cur- curing hunger and they talk about his net worth and he could be curing or fixing homelessness. And, 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 and these are, to me, these are government problems, right? And like, it's not like there isn't a ton of money being thrown at these things, but it's just the, um, and I've been hearing a lot of other podcasts about the, 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 amount of money being spent in California, for example, where like, I don't know if you've seen images of the, just thousands of, of people living in tents all over the place and just the kind of uptick in, in crime there. And uh, I heard that there's like just... I think it's about $2 billion a year being spent on homelessness in the state of California. And like, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not getting any better. So, um, I, I think what, what people are, are irritated at is the, the, just the cavalier sort of attitude. And it does look like these, you know, he, <laughs> he flies into space. It kind of looked like a big penis, like he's flying <laughs> in this space in this thing. And then the, the memes afterward when he lands and he had that, you remember, do you remember him laughing that crazy laugh that he was doing? yeah with heads thrown and, back a and cackle they put it, almost and they yeah. put it uh, right beside Dr. Evil from Austin Powers and it was yeah. almost exactly the same and like I don't think I don't think he was doing himself any favors with the way that they uh, they kind of handled that but if you think big picture you know ideally what is it that these individuals are trying to do by going to space I think that they're trying to solve some fairly Big problems in terms of the environment and in terms of connectivity, Internet in, in third world countries and, and stuff like that. There's some pretty cool stuff that's being done, but it was it was uh, simplified into just the the space race between these billionaires. And so and obviously in the last year and a half, everybody is in a really um, difficult situation mm-hmm. uh, The lockdowns, the the fear you know, different uh, variants popping up here and there. And they have a guy like literally shooting off and, and, and let's be clear. Like you're, you're more of the space guy than me. Um, yeah, I know you're, you're a big fan of, you know, NASA and all these programs. They didn't really go to space. That was like a very high plane ride.
2: Wasn't it? Well, I think, I think that's one of the points of debate. There's a lot of debate of where space starts, but let's, let's just say they did go into space. They didn't go to orbit. And so essentially it's four minutes of weightlessness and then a parachute ride back down. So, uh,
1: Wait, you you remember the the kid like maybe like ten or fifteen years ago? He took that weather balloon with a little Lego guy, yeah, and he attached a camera to it and sh- shot it up. Like that's about where they were at, right? That's roughly,
2: yeah. So yeah. that
1: kid did that with about nine dollars and a set of Lego. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just yeah. it's yeah. You know. Well,
2: and I think I think see this is the thing that struck me about it is that I think if I think he was like two years late in doing this, he actually launched that um, that launch vehicle for the space tourism part of his business before SpaceX had actually successfully landed one of its uh, Falcon 9 boosters. Mm-hmm. So, and and you know, there's a there's a big difference between launching the thing and then having it ready for people to take rides. But at any rate, it, it was it was a bit late in terms of the technological advancement it, <laughs> that it that it that it has. And and by making such a big deal of it, with something that's a bit late, it just felt like you just overplayed it, overplayed Mm -hmm. it. If it may had a more modest sort of public relations approach to this, uh, this, this ride and less of the, you know, really, uh, talk show thing afterwards in the news conference, I, I just think that news conference was was this, like it was just misplayed. It was mis the tone was wrong, and and because the news conference, the communications of it was handled not the way I would have done it, it it just accelerated and accentuated that negative reaction overall that people had about him and the whole you know the money he's spending, even though it's his own money, the money he's spending yeah. uh, on this on this business, like it, really that this business is is designed if you if you look at his plans to really be a competitor to SpaceX and actually putting cargo into orbit and doing all the things you talked about that, you know, could be for the betterment mm-hmm. of humanity. But I just think that they, uh, they just made too much of it. And you know what, uh, maybe, maybe another argument might be like the guys that got a target on his back because he's a really rich guy. And no matter what he does, he's going to get, he's going to get uh, criticized. Mm-hmm. But I just think their communications in this circumstance didn't, didn't help them at all for sure what do you think the thinking was with the cowboy hat? I, I don't know. Like that it seemed this, odd. Like it's over. It was just over the top, right? It was just like a lot of it was over the top. And even like some of, they took a lot of like artifacts with them. Like there was a little scrap of fabric from the Wright flyer and he had uh. Amelia Earhart's like uh. glasses from her plane. <clears throat> and yeah, he took all these things into space mm. and that's great. But again, just it, they made way more of it than it probably deserved deserve to be and they just made themselves a bigger target as a result and maybe that's uh, who knows right maybe that's a symptom of uh a guy who there's not really anyone around him who can say exactly actually
1: do you think do you think it's the whole yes man thing like we talked about this a couple episodes ago with elvis and the memphis mafia like yeah boss that sounds great how about if i wear a cowboy hat oh that's great that's a great idea
2: yeah <laughs> it nobody quite possibly could be that <laughs>
1: And that, what was that line he said uh, that, you know, I want to thank all the the customers and all the employees that you paid for all of this. Like, I I think that came, it was supposed to come, I think from a place of gratitude, Gratitude. but it it sounded really dickish.
2: It, yeah. And that's what I mean. Like the whole, the whole communications around like that news conference did not do any favors for him. Mm. So anyway, you know, I I think, uh, I think it, it also unfortunately came in this like context of Richard Branson, like doing essentially the same thing the week before and his, yeah. And ever so it became this sort of billionaire space race. And meanwhile, you know, the, the company really doing space stuff is not even interested in, in the public relations <laughs> kind of exercises that either of those two companies undertook. In the so weeks before. You,
1: you mentioned Richard Branson, um, rich guy, maybe not not as rich but, you know certainly billionaire um is it just my imagination or like he's a more liked individual no i would
2: think so i don't have like numbers in front of me but i just i just you get that sense with that a promoter sense, yeah. score or whatever you get the
1: the sense that he's a more likable guy what do you think the difference is like elon musk is a pretty polarizing figure like half the people love him half the people hate him jeff bezos i think most people are not not a big fan and these are sweeping generalizations but um but Richard Branson seems to be pretty well liked. He seems like a dude you like to kind of hang out with.
2: Well, I think he's, I think he's, he's not been one, he's been a real salesman, right? And a showman How, over the years. How many times yeah. has he like used big PR stunts to On the, the launch his thing, businesses yeah. or, yeah, I, I think he just has, has done a better job of managing his, um, his brand, his personal I think he brand. he
1: understands the, he understands marketing. And I think he understands the public.
2: Yeah, seems, I think that's right. He's
1: not so out of touch. I think that's right. All right, are we done with that one?
2: Yeah, you know what? I, 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 I wish. I think the world needs Jeff Bezos' space company, Blue Origin, to do more of what it's supposed to be doing, which is you know this bigger, bigger picture stuff. And I hope they succeed in doing it because I think having more private companies doing that will just be open more and more opportunities for for people generally to have a better place to live.
1: So the takeaway here though, is they should spend as much time on the communications and the positioning as they do on the rockets and all that.
2: Well, especially if you know you're going to be under such scrutiny. Yeah. Uh, And, um, and you know, some people would say, well, who gives a crap, right? It's just communications, but if it leads to your overall brand and then that leads to how are the regulators looking at you and is that going to lead to, you know, how to, if you do have to raise money, how do the financial markets see you? It does matter. It, it matters a lot because you, once you make a mistake, it's hard to fix it. All right. So
1: we have a few now that are in the, um, the, the clothing retail space. Uh, one is we're going to start with Lululemon, and this is a company that is uh, no stranger to controversy over the years. I, I think everyone remembers the founder, Chip Wilson. I think his name is um, doing that interview, like again about a decade ago, where he talked about those pants that were getting the wear, and it's to be said because like, they oh, don't yeah. fit all women, and it's like their legs or whatever. He's try- trying to blame blame the customers' body shape. Anyway, um, this one is is interesting to me because this is. I wouldn't say it's a crisis, but it's it's I think it's a lost opportunity. And so how does a brand respond to a little wrinkle or something online that you think should be pretty, pretty easily fixed? So there's a woman on uh, on Twitter named Paula Wilding, and she's from Hamilton, Ontario. And on August 1st, she sent out the following tweet to Lululemon. I went to your store and was told that I do not qualify for the healthcare care discount after presenting my hospital badge because I'm a physician assistant. As someone who's worked on the COVID ward and treats patients daily, this was disappointing to say the least. And so you see stuff like this on Twitter all the time. Someone is, uh, you know, their dryer's not working or FedEx is late or I'm just picking companies out of the air. But sends this to uh, to Lululemon and, and it, it strikes a chord with people. And so as of now, I have the tweet up on my screen. It's got 227 comments, 720 retweets, and 12,300 likes. So this is... This is a tweet that is, it, it has uh, burst through and is, you know, I'd say it's like, you know, small V viral. And what, what the reason I wanted to bring it up is because of the company's response. And so it brings it into uh, discussion a lot of things here in terms of, you know, marketing, customer relationships, and I think social media management. Like, you, it makes you wonder who is managing the social media account and are they actually within the company or is it a community management company that's kind of arm's length? Because here's the response. Uh, We appreciate you taking the time to share your feedback about our frontline healthcare discount with us. We know this wasn't the experience you were looking forward to, and we'd love to provide some clarity. Please feel free to send a personal message or a PM our way whenever you have the chance. And so uh, and, and this is a tactic you see uh, a lot of times when someone is um, is really being negative or trolling a brand. They try to take it offline. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. You know, send us a private message. Here's our email. Uh, you know, what's your uh, you know, phone number? They give you a call, which is, is kind of cool. Um, but then if you scroll down, you keep seeing a, a bunch of and I'm just going to give you a bit of a flavor of the comments. Um, someone else responded. You should provide clarity publicly. Please tell us how physician's assistants are not healthcare workers. And then the brand responds. We'd be happy to clear up any and all questions you have. Nicole, feel free to send us a personal message our way when you have a chance. And so, uh, and they just keep going on with this. And then, so you have um, a lot of uh, people, like here's a response from a guy. Wow, Lululemon, you really need to stop digging into the PM response. Make a public statement addressing this. Stop trying to sweep it under the rug. PAs and everyone else who's risked their lives deserve this discount, and they deserve a public response. And so, it just keeps going. You scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You know, tons and tons of comments. But to me, this this seems to be a pretty easy fix. Like they should have just said, "You, we're really sorry." here's your discount, here's a $100 gift card. Um, physicians assistants are, uh, you know, in- integral uh, healthcare workers, like they give pr- the discounts to personal trainers, you know what I mean? So it's really ridiculous that this, to me, this is one of those self-inflicted, um, uh, and, and again, I don't think it's a crisis, but it's a self-inflicted wound. Um, what, what's your what's your take on this?
2: It feels like one of those situations where operationally someone had the idea, that that's a great idea, let's give this discount for, for healthcare workers but then somebody created a list of here are the eligible people fit in that category. And, and no one from communications around was around the table to say, well, wait a second. <laughs> what if, you know, fill in the blank, other uh, healthcare professionals come in, they're not on that list. What do we do? And so you end up with the situation where inevitably there was going to be someone who was turned away. So I, so I think that was like the genesis of a problem like this. Who knows if it was or not, but that's, um, We to be armchair quarterbacks, so that's what (laughs) that's what it feels like anyway. Because you see it so often where um, that kind of issue management lens isn't put on things. But then you know, to your point about the strategy used to manage the online discussion, like that strategy of taking something offline works when there's an there when the problem is individual to the person. Yeah, but this person was raising a problem that was. Broad to everybody, exactly. There was like a wide category Much of stakeholders group. that maybe uncaptured. Yeah. Well, well, what was your reaction and thoughts on how they managed it? I
1: thought it was. It seemed to me that um, it seems like there's a disconnect between the soul of the company and the persona online. And again, this is a company I bring up a lot, and uh, you know I've done work with them in the past, but like Gymshark, I can't see Gymshark responding. In this manner. And I know that they keep those functions close. Like they um something like this would bubble up and you would see someone on like I I think the ideal response to something like this is someone really high up on the C-suite team grabs their phone, does a quick video, and just pours their heart out, like, you know, we totally apologize. This is an oversight. Um, we respect what you're doing for the healthcare system. We're sorry. You know, like, like you said, it was a clerical error. This wasn't on our list. Take our apologies. And we want to send out and maybe you give, you you have to do something better. You have to, you know, give them some sort of discount, give them some sort of props. And because they're doing themselves a lot of reputational damage, there's a lot of like, there was one nurse who said, I'm a nurse and you've lost my business forever. There was um, one tweet from a guy. What's his name at uh, 680 news. Um, I had his name written down here somewhere. Um, Oh, Phil Martino, 680 News. He had sent the woman a note. Hey, uh, send me an email. He wanted to do a story with her. So now it's turning into media coverage. And like Uh. all of this is unnecessary. And I think it's just because someone on the community management from social media has a sheet of like, these are the acceptable things you can say. And where possible, try to get it into an offline discussion. And it just doesn't feel... Genuine. It doesn't feel human, right? And yeah. uh, I, I think when companies get this right, they take their logo and they make it sound like a person. You yeah. feel like you're communicating with a friend, and that's not what it feels like here. And so, uh, rightly, I think the company is um, is getting spanked a little bit online because of that, like just kind of tone deaf kind of response.
2: But do, but don't you think this is like take it away from Lululemon for a second? Don't you think this is a bit symptomatic of the way social media management is is treated? Like it feels like it's often like outsourced to use, like you said, a community management firm who has you know the lowest cost resource manning the manning the front lines, and they're just not equipped with the the context or the authority to actually have a conversation to manage issues like this. Mm. It's that's it's fine failure. if it's oh. it's something simple and you know, uh, you know, in the normal course of of just stuff that happens, but this is, this isn't, doesn't fit into that category.
1: Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there.
2: No, that's okay. To me, that feels like a a failure of leadership.
1: Uh, I think you can do community management. Well, like if you look at VaynerMedia, Gary Vaynerchuk's company, they do community management for tons of fortune 500 companies and they have a reputation for doing it really well. But I think that they, they dig into it and they find out what's that soul of the company and, and what is that persona? And I think they give people a little bit more, um, free reign to, to solve problems, right? Like to, to, you know, whatever you can do for the customer to make it right. If, if we've kind of screwed up or if we've missed an opportunity, what do we, what do we need to do to make it right? And so this is something that, um, could have been resolved in 20 minutes with a tweet and it could have actually, they could have turned it into a marketing opportunity as opposed to, it just looks like
2: just money grubbing corporation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It It's, it's, it's kind of like a, a self inflicted, uh, Totally self there. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> again, I don't think it's going to affect
1: their stock price, but it you know could have been handled better. So we're. I, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this next one. I I heard about this while I was away, and I remember like seeing the original thing that popped up because it was kind of blowing up on Twitter on this day. Uh, I believe that it took place, it was in mid-July, I think July 12th, and it was Ava Lane Boutique. And did you, did you see this one when it came, when it when it took place? I did, yeah. And
2: then I immediately thought, oh, we got to talk about that on the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I apologize to anyone who has, uh, you know, if you've been, you know, seen all 360 degrees of this and you've heard it chopped up on social media, uh, we apologize. But like, just can't go forward without talking about this. And so... The uh, the gist of the story is for anyone who you know for the three people who might not know about it, there was this this uh, boutique clothing company, Ava Lane. I think it's like
2: a family business somewhere in the United States. it's it just? Sorry, to interrupt, but just for context, it's <laughs> actually in Michigan, and the store is massive. Like <laughs> I looked it up. Is it really? It's enormous. It's like a giant warehouse. Oh. It made they make it, it like seem like a you know little mom and pop. Yeah.
1: Oh my god, that makes that's even funnier. So there's some really interesting things about this and some that have popped up. Something that I noticed today that I'll, you know, we'll tell the story. Uh, We have a couple of audio clips to play. And then um, there's a, this brings in everything this podcast is about. How do you react to a crisis? Everybody makes mistakes. How do you deal with them? How do you apologize? What do you do on social media? And then how do you handle the kind of after effects so that it doesn't affect your business? And again, you can try to turn it into an opportunity. So this, um, young woman sends an email to the company she wants to be one of their ambassadors or i think it's basically you want to be a model for their clothing she was responding to an ad and the it's a husband and wife that own the company and the husband's name is chuck and he responds he thinks he's forwarding this email to his wife about this woman this this young lady but he, uh, and we've all done this, he erroneously sends the email to the wrong person. He sends the email to the young lady. And so um, she, uh, again, the online TikTok millennial generation, she responds with a, uh, with a TikTok. And we have that to play for you. It goes a little, something a little bit like this.
0: So I applied for this job as a brand representative um, to a company called lane and their motto is beauty through confidence. And this is an email I accidentally got sent from the VP. Enjoy.
1: And so it says, this girl's fresh out of college and not that cute. She applied to the sales model position. Are you sure we can, are you sure you want to interview her?
0: Not that cute. Okay, okay,
1: okay. So anyway, that's the the TikTok. Uh, at this point in time, it's got three hundred sixty thousand likes, fourteen thousand seven hundred comments, and eleven thousand uh, shares huge numbers. And um, so this turns into an immediate crisis for the company. And so, uh, again, we see this stuff all the time. These little a business makes a misstep or some sort of gaffe and it turns into this thing. And uh, this young girl, and you got to feel sorry for her. That's a, That's a terrible uh, email for her to get. And so then um, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how is the company responding to this? And, uh, you know, one of the things we talk about here is you should respond with a video. If you're going to apologize instead of having one of these corporate, you know, we take these matters very seriously. Turn on your camera, record a video. But like it's not just that easy, like the substance and the content of the apology has to actually has to be good. And so Chuck is uh, he he records a video. It's a it's a two minute long uh, uh, recording, but I promise you. It's all worthwhile. And I remember that uh, when I was watching this, um, I was kind of you know assessing it in real time. And as he starts rehashing it, I was just, you know, it, it kind of blew me away. So here is Chuck's response. And for those of you, you know, I, I encourage you to look it up online, but he's sitting on like a, like a, like it looks like a bar stool in the middle of their store and it, it kind of looks kind of rustic and he's wearing a t-shirt and a pair of jeans and he looks like he's a dude like in his kind of forties. And, you know, sort of like the football-watching dad on Sunday. But anyway, here is Chuck's
3: apology. Um, My name's Chuck. Um, I wanted to talk to everybody for a a brief moment here, Um, apologize to somebody for something I did yesterday Um, that was very inappropriate, um, very unprofessional, um, just downright stupid. So um, <clears throat> we we currently have uh, uh, a job posting for um, a sales model or brand ambassador brand position, kind of like what Laura does. And, and uh, um, we had an applicant yesterday that submitted her application. Um, she um, she submitted her application, submitted photos through email, Laura saw the, um, the email, and our typical HR person who would handle this stuff is out this week. Uh, um, so Laura forwarded the email to me, um, and I was trying to fill in. But um, I, I reviewed the email, I reviewed the application. I, um, downloaded the resume, um, and I sent a reply back to Laura that said,
1: and at this point, just to interrupt, as I'm watching this, I'm like, don't say it. Don't, don't say it again. Like don't repeat it. And anyway, spoiler alert. That she was a
3: a recent college grad. And I didn't feel that she was that cute um, so I wasn't sure if we wanted to proceed with an interview. <clears throat> um, I don't know why I said that, uh, but I did and um, I'm very very sorry for saying that. it was
1: <sighs> that's the so that's that's the apology um I. <laughs> I couldn't help. It. Were you laughing? Was that? I,
2: I I just I I just want to grab Chuck by the lapels and just shake him. <laughs> just be a man, Chuck. Be a Good man. lord. Okay. So okay,
1: where where to begin? I'd like to have your uh, post mortem on that.
2: Well, so obviously he is just like th- there's no preparation here. There's, there's no thought. Like this is just visceral. He's not even he has no composure, right? He's he's a quivering mass of humanity like just saying stuff to the camera, which is not not going to solve anything. Not going to clear this up. Uh he the right thing to do would have been stand okay. in front of the camera. Okay, you
1: know what? Okay, you're Chuck. Yeah. Let's like and we haven't practiced this. You're yeah. Chuck.
2: Take it from the top. Hi, I'm Chuck. I am here to apologize to a young woman who applied for a position at our firm that everyone has perhaps seen online. I made a huge mistake, and I'm not sure how I'd characterize it exactly, but I'm going to describe without repeating the injury yeah. that I've caused her. <laughs> not
3: that cute. <laughs> oh
2: my yeah, God, exactly. I'm like, don't say it. I'd like don't to deeply apologize to her and to everyone who I've offended with that comment. This is not a. This is not a representative of. Of um, uh, me or the culture of this firm, and uh, and I probably want to uh, have some sort of throw book, a book in here exactly where I'm going to yeah. make amends. I'm going to try and do something to to that that does enhance the values of this organization. Uh, and they I'm not sure what that training. Would be. I think yeah.
1: Chuck needs some training. Maybe,
2: maybe, maybe get some training, Chuck. Uh, maybe, maybe we get something installed on his computer that prevents him from. <laughs> forwarding uh, uh, emails <laughs> email delay yeah. yeah yeah but i like your, uh, I like your apology and but that that's kind of the place of i would go
1: yeah as much much better than his but, what, what do you think about the, the uh, uh you know all the like it seemed like he was trying like i don't know yeah, it just something seemed off about it it didn't seem genuine to me i don't well, like i might be being harsh i'm sure he was very upset But my, you know, my read on that and just, again, I don't know the guy, but just watching it a bunch of times, it seems like he's upset because his business is getting its ass kicked and he's not upset because he hurt somebody's
2: feelings. I think that's entirely it. And and I remember the context of the video. I think his wife started the business and I think, I think he is on the couch now. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a, like the gun pointed at him off camera is, is more what's leading to the. Uh, the reaction he's having on camera versus actual genuine remorse about that's what it feels like anyway about what he said also you have to you know we don't have video on this podcast
1: like (laughs) it's hard enough getting it out just audio but if we, uh, if you're looking at like the comments, there's just f- flood of comments coming in and they're all negative. Like the one that just popped up is like, eat glass, <laughs> like, just, <laughs> just so much. And I shouldn't laugh, but just so much vitriol, just hate, just being like, just flowing well, in. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. And I was going to say the other thing they did is, and this is, this is a big no, no. As soon as everything, uh, as soon as everything hit the fan, they just unplugged all their social media accounts. They took everything down. They took it all down. To um, and and I get that. It's a very common response. People like you, you. You go into fight or flight mode. Your heart is pounding. You start sweating. You start freaking out. And you know you um, that reptile part of your brain just says, shut off Twitter account. Close down LinkedIn account. Turn off. Inst-. Like if you think if that it's a way to protect yourself, but it's actually you're 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 cutting off your other leg because now you can't. You don't. You've, you've taken away your only you're only forum to respond and to try to make it better. And every time there's a crisis, it's the first thing I do is I go to their Twitter account go to the Facebook. Like and see. And just when you see that kind of that, you know, that profile doesn't exist or it's, it's been taken down. It's just like, Oh man, I actually, I feel, I feel kind of bad for them because this is a person who is panicking and freaking out and their world, it's a terrible feeling. And, uh, I, you know, I just wish one of the things you could teach people is to keep those channels open. Maybe stop checking it. Like you don't have to go in and read all the thousands of hateful comments, but at least stand there and take it. You know, like that's one of the things that you that you should really do. We do have, um, like, after Chuck finished his little piece, his I don't know if you saw the one, but his wife actually sat down and did her piece. Do you want to? Should we well, play that as well?
2: Let's do that. But just before you go there, so I think to your point about the the. You know the reaction to that negative, uh, those negative social media comment. It's like if the microwave bursts into flame, like the first thing you want to do is like, "Oh, I got to shut that thing off. Or I got to unplug that yeah. thing to stop the fire." And of course, that that's not, as you point out, that's totally counterintuitive to the way you need to manage this thing. But but I I wanted to ask you about you know just the, his physical demeanor and the thing yeah. that struck me about it was and I know he's not trying to do this cause he's obviously a wreck and he's just doing this yeah. in the moment, but by being a, like crying and just not having any composure, mm-hmm. he, he, it feels like he's trying to be the victim. Yeah. Or maybe not trying to be, he's in, inadvertently portraying a, a, like a himself as a victim. And that I think just accentuates the negative response because, yeah. because people just like, it's like blood in the water.
1: Totally, And he, and there was the subtle um, trying to blame it on the HR person who's not in the office. Like normally someone else would do this, but I'm here today. And like, it's just, there, there's nothing like for, for anyone who looks at it, he he's on this chair and he's kind of, he doesn't make eye contact with the camera. He's kind of like looking over here, looking over there. He's trying to gather himself. And I think he's trying to, I think somewhere he, he saw a thing like, you know, I think he's confusing empathy, with, um, you know, painting a sad face on yourself mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it, it should be directed to the audience, the, the injured individual as opposed to himself. And, uh, you're totally bang on with that. So here is, um, Mrs. Chuck. I'm I, sorry. I don't know this, this woman's name, but this is his wife. And I think they're, what's her last name? It's, uh, dig Rendell, I think. So this is, um, Chuck is, uh, he's just finished his piece and then, um, his, uh, his, his wife takes her seat and does her bit
0: so we will not be live today you guys um we appreciate your support um we're gonna call it a day Uh, our phone numbers are out there our address is out there our children have been threatened I'm pretty sure the girl who Chuck has apologized to didn't mean um when she asked her followers to contact us to threaten our family, the families who work here. I'm pretty sure that was not her intention. But that's what's happened. Um, So we appreciate your support. Um, It is okay for people to come on, they can talk about my appearance all day long hurtful comments again I don't actually think that was her intention to talk about how horrible and hideous I am and everything that I do that's okay we can move on from that but it's when you start threatening children that's where we kind of have to draw the line so yes we are making our accounts private um, we don't really have anything else to say at this point in time. So we're going to not be live. We appreciate you guys popping on. Um, And we'll be back.
1: Okay. And that's it for her. Um, Thoughts? You go first this time. What was your thought? (laughs) I, I, I feel bad laughing like this, you know, we're, we're not mean people, you know what I mean? But like, I just, there's something about it I find I find kind of humorous about the response. And uh, first of all, kids being um, threatened is obviously not, not a funny thing. I didn't see any of that online. Obviously, I didn't go and look through all the comments. But um, again, I just get the sense that this is a pair of very successful small business owners who are insulted or... Or bewildered that their company has been, you know, targeted by the Twitter mob, and uh, I think hers even more than 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 Chuck's was about making themselves out as victims, and 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 it was a really interesting turn of phrase she used. I'm not sure that that was her intention. She said that three or four times about the the individual who who wrote the note. Um, I'm not sure that that was her intention, but you know maybe it was, and it's kind of like. Flipping it back to the original, the job applicant that that somehow that this was her doing, uh, and and even that comment just seemed a little passive aggressive, and and like just apologize, fix the situation, tell us what you're doing, own up the 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 crocodile tears. I found very uh, off putting and disconcerting. You know, if you have to shoot that video ten times, I think the biggest takeaway here is when your world is collapsing and when your business is falling apart and when. Uh, people are giving you zero or one star, whatever the lowest star review, because their, their reviews went from like five stars to like one and a half stars. Like everyone was just attacking them. When that happens, you are not in a decent place to make rational decisions. You're not in a great place to be able to handle that crisis. Pick up the phone, send an email and get someone to help you out. Someone who, you know, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting 300 crisis managers (laughs) these days. Um, (laughs) call someone up and have them, you you know, you need that. We we always talk about the, the, the Winston Wolf character from Pulp Fiction. You know, the guy who shows up uh, I'm led to understand that there's a car in the garage and a body without a head, bring me to him. And he just, he fixes it. He's cool. He's objective. He, he wants to help you, but he, he he's able to think rationally. And I think that's what they needed someone to just, like you said, grab them by the lapels, give them a little shake and say, here's what we need to do because I, I, you know, I have to give them some points for effort for doing the videos at all. Most companies wouldn't. That's a good point. I, I give them some credit for that. But the content of it, I think, was being too um, the the rational strategic part of their brains was shut off at that point as a default reaction to the crisis. And I think that they could have really used um, some, and it doesn't need to take, you know, it could be 15, 20 minute phone call, right? You need to do this, 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 and this, and you do, then it's a much
2: different video. And I think it's a much different response. Okay. How about yourself? So I, I think you characterized it well, like she was over the top, passive aggressive and, and you doing her best, doing her utmost to basically shift this from, the stupid thing that Chuck said and the hurtful thing that he said to, you know, thing, things that are totally out of control of this uh, young woman that are, are happening as a result of what Chuck, Chuck did initially. And, um, in, ma- in many respects, like, well, well, Chuck's apology may not have been effective at all and may have like stepped on a, you know, a few things you wouldn't want to do. Mm. Hers was just, I think offensive in terms of when it comes to, um, apologies. And, and probably did more to make, you know, the, the reaction from, from social media and others worse because of, right. of the way she handled it to your point. Like this is, this is where things are so hot emotionally that it's not the right time for you to freelance. It's not the right time for you to try and make it up as you go. Yeah. You get one shot at trying to fix it and you have to make the most of it. And they decided they would just, you know, <laughs> So display. if you had to um, score them,
1: you know, we're during the Olympics right now. Right. So mm-hmm. let's say you had to score their apologies on a scale from one to 10. Uh, what, what do you give Chuck for his apology?
2: Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to say it's a five.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> I was thinking more like a three, like maybe a four. But yeah, that is, like, that is generous. I'm going
2: to be generous. It's a file. Like he tried to do the right thing. Yeah. He, yeah. They did the know, video. Like he, he did the video. He made the error of repeating. So, okay, maybe, maybe I'm being too generous Four. okay. I'll
1: say four. uh, uh so <laughs> let's, let's split it up. You know how they have different. So for effort, I would say I'd give him like a seven, okay. seven for effort Yeah. and for effect or results more like in the two, three
2: area. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. Okay. How
1: about his uh, his wife, the, the one who went right after him? How how, how would you rank hers? It's, it's a
2: zero. It's not an apology. It's just like her trying to, you know, mis like misdirect all the, yeah, all the uh, negativity on the person who they were made injured.
1: So here's the thing that came up today and, you know, and we try to do a little bit of research on these topics. So we know kind of like, you know, what we're talking about and just make sure we get all the names and dates and all that stuff. Right. And so I went in and one of the things I remember hearing about was that their Google reviews had gone like they have they very, very great ratings before this. And but now I'm kind of questioning that because it had been brought down and this was in BuzzFeed that all these stories said that it had gone from five to one and a half. Um, tons of people trolling and going online. And I went and checked today and all those negative reviews are gone. So their, their score is back up to five stars and there's one negative review about something who, um, someone who didn't like something on their website, but their last comment, their last rating is from two months ago. So basically all the comments, all the hundreds of comments from the last two months have disappeared. Are you familiar with anything like this happening or how does that happen? Like, did they engage a company? Did they go to Google?
2: Google has a process where you can challenge reviews. I've, I found that it's it's difficult to get Google to to actually remove a, or a review that is like fraudulent or like they say that they will will remove fraudulent reviews, but I found it's difficult for them to actually do it do that. In this case, because the story got so much media attention, it is quite possible that Google used its, its mechanism it has in order to um, you know basically wipe out those days when that all those reviews happened and um, just mm-hmm. eliminate them from their profile. I, di- I didn't, I do note that on, on, um, you know, on some other rating platforms, you know, they do have really poor reviews still, but yeah, there, there is a mechanism for doing that through Google. It's just not, not particularly easy. So, but given the notoriety, they, they, they may have been, able you to know, take advantage of something there.
1: I went to their website then And I'm scrolling down and then they have a screenshot of all their their five star reviews. Like they're actually kind of just shoving it in your face. Like, look how popular we are, all these five star reviews. And so it's weird that through this process, like if you know the story and you know what happened and you know about the negative reviews and everything else, the five stars now doesn't like, you know, I'm not a shopper there, but the five stars doesn't mean anything to me now. It seems it seems gamed or inauthentic.
2: Well, a lot of a lot of businesses actually do that and they do a good job of it and they make. um Engaging with customers once a successful transaction has happened, engaging with them to encourage them to do a review, making it easy. Like you can you can Google allows you to generate a link that takes you right to the review window so that you can enter a review quickly and it's it's really simple. So that's
1: legitimate though. Like that's that's an actual customer and you're kind of coaxing them to respond. Like like what I'm saying is it seems like uh, for some other scrubbing anything other than a five and it seems like a BS indicator of customer satisfaction. Like I'm I'm sure they're getting fives, but it's like everything else is being deleted.
2: Well, I think in this case that would happen was like there's a defined period when it happened. Right. And I'm sure it, there was a sharp spike when those negative reviews started happening and then a bit of a longer tail and then it kind of probably petered out. Yeah. They were, they were probably able to, 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 you know, delete those (coughs) given the, the special circumstances around the negative notoriety they got.
1: If I had to guess, I would think they hired a company to do that.
2: It's possible. Yeah. There out companies to like do that. I yeah. would it. And you know, it,
1: I would have loved to, you know, if you're going to outsource something, outsource crisis management. <laughs> you know what
2: I mean? Yeah, then you wouldn't yeah. have to
1: deal with all this bullshit with the Google reviews. Okay. Have we talked enough about Chuck and uh, his, his better half? Probably. Okay, uh, long episode today. We got a, a lot of time to catch up for. So uh, the last one, um, I think, unless you have anything else, is the Montreal Canadiens and their very controversial uh, draft pick. I'm sorry to uh, the person who doesn't like us talking about hockey, but this is actually hockey and issues related. So um, Montreal Canadiens on July 23rd in the NHL draft, in the first round, select the, this individual, uh, Logan. You know, what is his last name? Mayu, Mayu I like think, that. yeah. And so uh, this individual, and I don't want to like, kind of get too much into it. Like I think most people know the story, but he had um, shared um, intimate photos of a young lady. I think he's from Sweden or something like that. And he'd gotten himself into some legal trouble with, with this. And he had actually asked prior to the draft to not be drafted. He said, I don't deserve this. I have to like, you know, I have some, some amends to make and, you know, maturing and blah, blah, blah. And uh, the Montreal Canadians go ahead and they draft him in the first round. And very, very, very vocal response from a ton of people. Um, you know, everyone has an opinion on this. But like the prime minister, Justin Trudeau, was one of the people. Um, you know, French Canadian, huge Habs fan, said he was deeply disappointed. Um, and then the team took a lot of heat. Um, there's, there's, there's. I, I don't know if you saw. Did you see the assistant general manager Trevor Timmins? Did you see the uh, the press conference where he was asked a direct question about the drafting and his that really long awkward delay? Did you see that? No, I didn't see that. Okay, I have it here. Um, it, I, I encourage people to look it up because it's uh, the visual is at least half of it. So you have this individual; he's a you know very sharp uh, dressed man. He's sitting there. He's got a goatee. He's sitting at a table, and I think this is being done virtually because of the the pandemic. It looks like he's in a dressing room and you can see all of the, uh, the Montreal Canadians jerseys or the sweaters hanging on the wall behind him. And he's got, uh, you know, a little uh, pocket square and he's got his hands kind of, um, his fingers interlocked on the table and he's taking questions. And so here is the question. And this delay is real time. And so I just want people to understand there's no, this isn't a glitch. Um, this is actually how long it takes him to answer the question.
2: Regarding Logan, um, in his statement, he says that, uh, he thought that he did not earn the right to be drafted. Uh, why? I mean, based on that, if the player thinks that, why do you think the opposite? <laughs>
3: Why do, what do you mean? Uh, why? Do, what do I think the opposite? Well, Can you Expand on that a little
1: bit. And so that's the response is twenty-seven seconds, I think. Wow, it was about 25-second 20, delay, and and you you hear him in the middle, like like in his face, he's just he's flummoxed. He's just, he doesn't. He's he has nothing. Grasping grasping. So um and then you uh, a couple days later uh, the uh there's a letter from Jeff Molson, the Canadian's owner, president and CEO on the team's decision to draft this individual. How do you want to uh, ad- address his his response? Do you, do you want us to read through it? What, what was your uh, how are you envisioning? Well,
2: I it just it's just their management of the whole thing is kind of where my mind was going because it's interesting. I had actually read this this the case about this this young guy because he had pled guilty. Pleaded? pled. What is this? How do you do How do you supposed to say that? Pleaded? Uh, sure. Anyway, uh, guilty in Sweden and had this charge against him. And, uh, you know, this young woman was traumatized by him sharing these intimate photos of her without her knowledge. And. And as a result, it was already being discussed in the news that this kid who is, you know, otherwise a high draft pick. You know, first round anyway. Was uh, facing this uncertain future as a result of this, this uh, uh, you know, his actions, and so it's like it was it wasn't a surprise that this could could potentially be an issue because it was in the media already, and I was just kind of surprised. But yeah, and another sense, like, I see okay, well maybe the maybe the comms table isn't you know linked to the GM draft mm-hmm. table, so <laughs> when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens, but you'd think there would have been you know some you know if this guy is drafted, here's what we say. Or, you know, are you thinking of drafting this guy? Like some, some issue management done ahead of time to be prepared for whatever reason, if they cho- thought this was the right kid to choose. And that clearly wasn't done. So the GM wasn't prepared at all. And then, um, and then of course it, it mushroomed into a thing, uh, with, you know, when you get the prime minister commenting on it, it's obviously, uh, um, something that's kind of spiraling under control and then jeff molson had to issue that statement that you know all in all i think it was fine it was all like i I wish it would have been a bit different but just generally speaking this is not how you manage uh an issue that you know with an organization that is such such in the spotlight uh as as this this hockey team is what was your what were your thoughts about it
1: well, we have the um I'll just I'll quickly play the response from uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and then we can uh, start commenting.
3: As a lifelong Habs fan, I have to say, uh, I am deeply disappointed by the decision. Uh, I think it was a, a lack of judgment by the Canadians organization. Um, I think they have uh, a lot of explaining to do to Montrealers and to fans from right across the country.
1: So that's pretty uh, condemning from from the prime minister. And, you know, I, I saw some people online saying, well, you know, he's had his own you know, groping scandals and stuff in the past. I think this is this is at a at a different level. And when you have the prime minister calling you out, you know, your your organization has probably done something wrong. Um, you know, my 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 dad has, you know, he still plays hockey now and uh, you know he's in his late 70s. And he's he he often says that, you know, hockey people are not known for their intelligence. And, uh, you know, he, and he says that sort of in a, in a, in a, in an affectionate way, but I, I, I can't help but think of, you remember when we had the, the Facebook group to try to get Pat Burns into the hockey hall of fame while he was, um, while he was still alive when he was dying of cancer Mm -hmm. and you know, what a huge opportunity that was. And just, you know, these, they just made the wrong call and it's just for, for whatever reason, people who are executives in hockey organizations seem to make bad decisions On a a pretty regular basis, you know, the hockey stuff like and and from a crisis management standpoint, you know, one of the the, the mantras is always, you know, first of all, do the right thing. And second of all, say the right thing. And I think this is a, a situation. And I think this is why that individual, the AGM, Trevor Timmons, had that long delay because they had. They'd failed on both counts. They didn't do the right thing. I think the right thing is to not draft this guy, you know, respect his wishes. But then they're afraid that some other team is going to get him. And they even said some, I forget who said it, but they said, look, you know, the, we realize he's done this and that, and it's not the ideal draft pick, but this, the, the gap between him and the next player in our mind was so great that we had no choice. That's a horrible answer. And so when you've done the wrong thing, that doesn't leave you a lot of space like, how do you, you know, what do you say to fix that? And so you, you heard that uncomfortable silence, that very extended silence. And then he just basically like, what do you mean by that? Like he just flips it back to the, to the, to the journalist. And, you know, I, I think at the time when I heard that, I tweeted out, you would think that the Montreal Canadians, you know, a billion dollar franchise would be able to afford better media training. You know, how do you, how do you put that guy in front of the media without grilling him on that very question? Right. And it, and you know, I don't know. I don't know what the communications function is there or how that works, but um, I find it inexcusable that they, and, and, but, but if someone would ask me like, what's the right response? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure what it is. Like you've done, you've made the wrong decision from a, from an operational standpoint. It's pretty hard. They call it putting lipstick on a pig, Mm -hmm. right? How do you, how do you fix that? And so um, I, I think that the thinking, and I, and I'm afraid that they might actually be right. I think they're thinking, look, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. There's a pandemic. Kids are going back to school. Businesses are suffering. Everybody's fighting. You got this and that. And every issue is politicized. And the vaccine and anti-vaxxers, Joe Biden and space billionaires. People are going to forget about this. And when this guy scores his first hat trick, everyone is going to, it's, it's all going to go away. The part that doesn't go away is this young woman. And, and that to me is the piece, like you can't fix that once, you know, the toothpaste is out of the tube on that. You can't, you can't repair that. And so, you know, Jeff Molson's letter and, you know, again, it was very well written and, you know, the corporate communications folks and the lawyers that probably cost $200,000 for them to write that letter, all the, the brains that looked at it, but it was devoid of soul and it talked about, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to help him on his journey. And it just, it sounded to me like a lot of, um, like a lot of BS and I'd be curious, like what are the actual steps that are going to be taken and how do you try to, uh, to rectify the situation? I think ultimately this is all, it was a hockey decision and they tried to make their team better. And I think they, they think that they can manage it and make it go away. And I'm kind of, I'm thinking maybe they might be right. It's a, it's disappointing, but with, given all the other stuff going on in the world, I think they might be right.
2: Perhaps and the thing I would, I would draw out is to your point about, like so they, so the classic formula here is okay. We made a problem. We created a problem for ourselves. So now we have to create a solution. So we're gonna have some things we're gonna do to help. You know, paper over this. And um, there were three things. Um, the first thing was we're gonna, you know, work with local experts to build some sort of <clears throat> awareness plan to educate young men and women, we're going to oversee Logan's commitment to becoming a better person. And we're going to ask him not to, not to participate in our rookie training camp. Well, when you look at those things, uh, like the first one arguably is the only one that it's actually aimed at making some sort of, um, uh, positive outcome. If there is one or create some sort of like uses as a learning experience and to, to, to teach the second one's about the kid. And the third one's about the team. Uh, and to your point, like the, the person who was actually harmed in all this is devoid is not, is not included. And there's, and, and I think you're right. There's no way of actually fixing that harm that's been done. You can't, it's just it's on,
1: it's, it's unfixable. And you know, he's going to go on to earn, you know, tens, maybe hundreds of million dollars if he has a long hockey career. And, uh, this, this woman has this hanging over her for the rest of her life. I would like them to take half of his salary for the first five years of his career and give it to her and her family. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, it's never going to happen, but you know, something tangible, you know, we're going to have uh, sensitivity training and bring our, you know, like that's, it's just, it's BS. Uh-huh. And, uh, um, but I, I think that this is, uh, you know, after you know a really great season that that team had and they had this really great kind of Cinderella element to them and they got to the Stanley Cup finals, um, the uh, that this this I think erases all of that goodwill. And there's a lot of people who are uh, really displeased, like obviously the hardcore fans are going to be hardcore fans. But I think that overall, the reputation of that team took a huge
2: hit with this issue. I, I think you're right. And it was, again, a self-inflicted wound, right?
1: Yeah, and it could, a lot of the stuff is so avoidable. Yeah,
2: yeah. If um, it, it, it like there probably was a scenario where, let's just say they they for whatever reason, like you said, they just they couldn't bear not choosing him because the drop off and caliber yeah. was so great. There there was probably like a a pretty heavy duty issue management strategy you needed to go along with making that pick. But you know, they they go from making the pick to two hours later during a news conference. There's just no time to. Yeah. properly prepare that
1: you know you know what would be really interesting would be uh you know you project three or four or five years down the road cuz sometimes a lot of these high picks they don't pan out no. like what's that line from Jerry Maguire it's like popcorn in the pan you know you don't know and then you'll have a guy who's drafted you know 234th or who's a walk on who becomes this this amazing player so the the ultimate uh, justice might be that this guy fizzles out and he's not that great of a player, but um, I don't know. It's uh, y- you feel bad for everybody involved except the team. I don't really, uh, you know, I-, I, feel like this, this, this kid for based on what I've seen, he seems to be um, he seems to be apologetic. He seems to have taken it seriously. He's, you know, I think he understands he's made a huge mistake and, you know, for him to say, look, I want to step away. I want to not be drafted. Um, and then the, the team goes ahead and does that. I find that you've uh,
2: actually, I think you've encapsulated the the ultimate thing here is that it is a complete failure in leadership on the part of the team because, because in making this draft pick and thinking about it just in terms of the hockey calculus and not about like the, like what does this franchise stand for? What is, mm-hmm. what is our, what are our, what, what is our place in the community? What are, what are the things that as an organization we try and, you know, do Beyond yeah. the ice rink, to you know, make a positive impact on the community, <clears throat> like none of that is in that decision making. Like if it was, you'd yeah. be say you'd like strike this kid off the list and say forget it. There's nothing that <laughs> would make us want to choose choose him because of the collateral uh, impact that has on our brand and the way people see us. Yeah, and I even saw some
1: some stories about their their uh, sponsors, some really big sponsors of the team re- revisiting or reviewing their relationships. I think that. Um, There's probably a lot of uh, phone calls and chit chats from from uh, the Molson family trying to like patch those things up Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of that's been repaired. But it's, you know, a situation like this has a lot of ripples. And I think it's uh, it just made it into a, a bigger story than it needed to be. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, just unfortunate, um, again, self-inflicted. Most of the stories we're looking at today were self-inflicted wounds. These aren't things that, you know, a, a, a truck drove into your warehouse and you're dealing with it. Like these are things that the company could have done better. Absolutely. Anything else you want to bring up today or we have, have we exhausted this, uh, this week's roster?
2: That was good. That was a good recap. It was good to, uh, to come back after vacation and, and uh, talk about these things. A couple of them have been on my mind for the last couple of weeks. Glad we got that out. Feeling a little rusty, but uh, hopefully
1: we'll be back in form soon. Um, all the best. Have a great week, and we will uh, rack up another one of these. And if anyone has uh, seen any stories or issues in the press that you want us to uh, to talk about, um, send us a note, give us a tweet, and we'll be uh, sure to put them in the rotation. We got a couple from people on Twitter uh, this week that we'll be teeing up for next week. And I want to say thanks to those folks for uh, sending those in.
2: Perfect. Thanks, Warren. Have a good week. You too. Take care.
0: Thanks for stopping by. If you liked this episode, please rate, review or recommend the show. See you next time.